Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm your host, Brian Kaderna, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Kaderna Podcast. So to all my YouTube viewers and any of my podcast listeners, I'm very happy to have you here today. And it's the day before Thanksgiving. I'm sitting here in the famous uh, Kaderna Podcast dungeon that we do our recording in, trying to keep warm with my Cowboys gear on, if you'll notice there. And uh, again, day before Thanksgiving, what what does that mean? That means that Santa Claus is on his way, Christmas is around the corner, and we're probably going to be doing a lot of shopping, right? And how do we purchase most of those nice goodies from the North Pole or that monster turkey that we're going to cook up tomorrow or that apple crumb pie that I just purchased myself? Usually on the credit card. I know that's what I do. And we got to come have a firm understanding of how credit works to have a sound financial plan. So that's what this week's episode is going to be on, is how to understand your credit score. All right. Such a key factor that I think most people, frankly, overlook or they don't think about it until it matters. And it's like that saying I often quote that it doesn't matter until it matters. And then it's all that matters. Okay. So... As in anything in life, being proactive, getting in the know, certainly can uh, you know provide some nice benefits for you. So to get in the know, let's take a quick look at the history of credit and what exactly credit is. So you're thinking about the credit card that you just put the turkey on or that stuffing. What I'm thinking about is your household, okay, and how you go out and you obtain money from a lender. We're talking about a business. All right, think about it. No business would have really even gotten off of its feet without the ability of credit. Okay, how would we go get the the money necessary to make payroll, to pay for our lease, for our utilities, for our equipment, for our technology? All of these things initially come in some way, shape, or form through credit. And then we take that next step and we look at you know the banks and their ability to lend us customers money and to lend one another money, where it becomes that great money multiplier that we talk about. And then we even take a step further and we look at municipalities, maybe countries and nations that are being able to grow themselves, often largely on credit. You know, we have to look no further than the United States of America and our balance sheet. Today, you hear so much in the news, you know, over $20 trillion of national debt that we have. Okay, all these these beautiful luxuries that we enjoy, they likely would not be possible without that credit or that debt being allowed to us, whether it be Social Security, Medicare, the Defense Department, education, all these different things that the government has its hands in are often uh, allowed just because of that expansive money supply that we tap via credit. So it kind of goes all the way up to macroeconomics, and then it comes all the way back down to us just trying to get by day by day, whether that be using that credit card, getting that auto loan, or buying a new house. Everything in finance revolves around credit. And fortunately, in the 1980s, uh, credit scores became commercially available, and they became more prominent in the 90s 
when Congress went to uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and informed mortgage brokers and lenders that incorporating an individual's credit score would be necessary in every mortgage decision. Okay, so now all of a sudden, everybody wants to know what their credit score is. And now we fast forward to today, 2019, and now we have literally billions of data points that are collected from over 13,000 qualified sources that go into calculating your and my credit score. And ultimately what that's going to determine is our ability to repay a loan. When you boil it all down, that's what a credit score is saying, is we are benchmarking this person or that company uh, in their ability to repay any money that we've lent them. Not only the money we've lent them, but also the interest that will be accrued on that. So ultimately, that's why we came up with the credit score. It's only been around really since the 80s, uh, but now it, it affects everything that you do in life. And the reason I think a lot of people overlook it is when we make the, the just minor decisions throughout the course of every day, yeah, we don't really notice its impact. And it's not until we go make usually that larger purchase, buying that car, buying that house, buying that boat, or applying to open up that credit card for all those everyday purchases, that all of a sudden we say, hey, why are the terms of this loan or this account the way that they are, as opposed to the next guy that walks into the office? And again, it's going to come back to that credit score. Okay, so such an influential factor. So the first thing you might be saying to yourself is, you know, I had my credit pulled for whatever just purchase I did, or maybe I even decided to look into it myself, and I'm noticing that I have different credit scores. You know, why is that? How, why would I have more than one score, or why are they different? So there's three uh, of the major credit reporting bureaus. That would be Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. Okay, those are like the three main players that you'll get familiar with. And each one has their own kind of methodology and the way to calculate your credit score. And furthermore, when a lender uh, reports their information to these agencies, they select who they actually want to report that data to. So what that means is that TransUnion might have information about a loan that you took out or that you've been paying that every month, where perhaps Experian doesn't have that information. And so naturally, with having different data, that's going to create a different uh, score in that calculation. So it's a combination of the methodology and also the information available is going to kind of explain that variance from one score to another. All right. And you would be saying this doesn't really make sense. Like, why don't we just consolidate things? Fortunately, those three main players, again, Experian, Equifax and TransUnion, came together in 2006 and created Vantage Score. And ultimately what that was intended to do is to kind of simplify matters and say, okay, we'll just get you one neat score. And then the reason codes, which essentially are the explanation of how that score could be higher, are just going to be nice, neat, and in clear English so that we can help consumers really elevate their uh, credit score. All right, so when you think about it, you have kind of the credit score at top. And then underneath that, you usually have your, your FICO score, okay, which was designed by the Fair Isaac Corporation. That's what that stands for. And that's what you're going to see from Experian, Equifax, TransUnion, and some of the others. And then you're also going to have your uh, Vantage score, okay? So now you're seeing there's kind of like different numbers that we're getting, but by and large, guys, they should all be pretty close to each other. 
And this is a good point to kind of make quickly is if you see a big discrepancy and you say, well, Experian and Equifax are saying X, very close within a few points of each other, then TransUnion is just way out there with theirs. There could be a issue with the information that TransUnion has pulled, and there might be a mistake on some of the data that was provided to them. So that's where you want to take a closer look at that report and see if there was any false data provided. Uh, and sometimes that, that does happen as we're kind of moving around, again, these billions of different data points. So the first thing that you would want to do if you notice that error is you would want to immediately contact the company that reported that error, whether that be your credit card or some lender or your utility company, whatever it may be, and say to them, you know, hey, I don't understand whatever this loan was or this alleged missed payment or underpayment. We need to verify this quickly. All right, so you want to rectify that and then you immediately want to go to the credit bureau and say, hey, this is an error that's on your report here. I either paid that loan or that loan wasn't even in my name. And you want to fix that as fast as possible because that's where you'll see a lot of folks out there say, you know what, I applied for an auto loan and they came back and they rejected me. And I looked at two of my numbers were great and the other credit score was just in the gutter. And maybe it was because there was an error on your credit report. So something that everybody should be keeping an eye on. And lots of times in today's day and age, unfortunately, you hear about identity theft or credit fraud and things like that. Usually people don't catch that until for some reason they had their credit pulled and they say, whoa, what the heck? I'm, I've been an excellent consumer all my life. I pay every bill on time. And now you're telling me I've got a terrible credit score. Like what gives? Let me look at this. And oftentimes that's kind of, uh, the impetus to say, oh my gosh, something happened. And usually that's when we could identify some of those identity thefts and things like that. So keep an eye on this stuff. You definitely want to look through it. So know, know what your credit score is. And again, they should be relatively similar amongst those different companies there. All right. And if we want to even kind of look at why it's not going away, the Federal Housing Finance Agency or the FHFA uh, established a process in which no single brand is a, allowed an exclusive right uh, to be used by a lender. Okay, so that means that Bank of America or Wells Fargo or somebody can't say, you know what, we're just using Experian and that's it. We won't look at or entertain any of the other credit scores that you could provide us. All right. So what that ultimately means is that there are always, or at least for the time being, going to be different agencies and different ways that these scores are calculated. Okay. So the next obvious question is, all right, I understand there's different scores out there, but how are they even calculating that? And more importantly, is my score good or bad? I don't understand it. Maybe I'm a novice to this whole credit game. I've just been paying cash up until this point. All right, so according to most major rating bureaus, the credit scores will range from 300 up to 850, okay? The higher your score is, the more credit worthy a consumer you are, and that's where you're going to get the best terms for any loan or account that you might go out and look after. So by most of them, 300 to 579 is considered poor. 580 to 669 is fair. 670 to 739 is good. 740 to 799 is very good. 
and then 800 to 850 is exceptional, okay? According to experience, 67% of Americans have a good FICO score or better. All right, so that's definitely some heartwarming news that we could take into the holiday season. The thing is we have to keep it there and we have to improve upon it, okay? So what are the factors ultimately that are going to make us a poor credit score or an exceptional one? Let's take a look. So the most important factor according to most of the uh, rating agencies is gonna be payment history, okay? And your ability to pay on time, every time. So we have payment history of any loans or credit cards. Again, looking at are there any late payments and the severity of those. Uh, we're going to look at credit utilization rate. And essentially what that is, is a factor that involves how much of your credit have you tapped versus how much available credit is left, okay? So in essence, let's say that I have a credit card with a $10,000 credit limit. And currently I have $2,000 outstanding on my credit card. All right, so $2,000 versus 10,000 available, that would be considered a 20% credit utilization rate, all right? Which is pretty good. Most of the, uh, the credit experts recommend that you keep your utilization rate at 30% or below, okay? And that's why revolving debt, okay? What revolving debt is, is essentially debt that you take on that doesn't have a predetermined end date, all right? So if you think of like a mortgage or an auto loan, that's, it's a 30-year mortgage, it's gonna be paid off in 2040, or I got a three-year auto loan that's gonna be paid off in a few years. We know what the end date is for that loan, correct? But when we look at, you know, revolving debt, that's essentially something that continue to go. And that's usually where we look at a credit card that could just keep going on every month for the rest of our life. Usually when we're talking about credit utilization rates, we're just looking at revolving debt. Okay. And that's why some people might say, hey, you know, I, I always try and keep a little balance on my credit card. That's like a common myth out there that actually is not really helping your credit score in any way. The payment history, the continually using that credit card and paying it off is what would help. But having that on there all the time is showing that A, you can't pay your debt off, and B, you're always maintaining a balance, which is naturally elevating your utilization rate, okay? So we got payment history, we have credit utilization rate, we have the number of and the age of accounts. All right, so that's where it helps actually. If you have a credit card you took out back in college and now all of a sudden you're 35 years old and you're still using the same credit card, that's a, a favorable metric because it's showing that you've had a good history with that lender and you've continually been paying that off for the past you know, decade or so, all right? The number as well, this is where things get a little bit confusing. People might initially think, well, you told me if I have a low utilization rate, I'm good. So if I have a lot of credit cards, then that would certainly probably have me obtain a lower utilization rate, All right? If I only have a little bit of a balance and I got 10 different cards out there, then naturally my utilization rate is probably not as high as if I only had one credit card. However, you can go overboard. So this is where you kind of want to strike a fine balance between keeping your utilization rate low, but not having too many of the same form of debt, typically credit cards, okay? So you, you gotta keep an eye on those as well. Uh, other things we look at is just total debt that you carry. 
um, public records, which you know would be things like bankruptcy, and then how many credit accounts have recently been opened. All right. Again, that's another one that's kind of a catch-22, where if we open up another credit account, initially that might help us out because it sends our utilization rate down. All right. If I have two thousand dollars outstanding on a credit card with a ten thousand dollar limit, my utilization rate's twenty percent. If I obtain a second credit card for another $10,000, now I've got $2,000 outstanding against $20,000 of available credit. So my utilization rate just went from 20% to 10% just by adding that extra account. So that looks good from a utilization standpoint, but maybe not so good from now having more forms of available debt out there that we could uh, kind of get ourselves caught up in. All right, so it's something, again, we're striking a balance with. And then lastly, uh, we're going to look at the number of inquiries in your credit report. Okay, so if they decide to pull your credit, you know, because you're going to buy a car and in the past month you've had seven inquiries because you've been shopping for other cars, you've been opening up new credit lines, you've been getting another line of credit against the house. Seeing all these inquiries is a bad sign, okay, because it looks now like you're just scrambling for credit. Essentially, that's what's happening, okay. A lot of people in that vein kind of say, well, how do I know what my credit is? I feel like if I pull my credit, you're telling me that it dings me. Those inquiries, if they're just kind of here and there, are very modest as far as like a negative effect, if any. But if you decide on your own to go pull your credit uh, from Experian or Equifax or Vantage Score, or if you just you know contact your bank, a lot of banks or credit cards now offer that for free. That's what's considered a soft inquiry, and that is not calculated in your credit score. So you don't have to be deterred by that, okay? So simply checking, again, that's okay. It's okay to be in the know. You're not going to be penalized for that. So now that we know there are these multiple credit scores, the factors that go into actually calculating them, let's talk about some ways that you can improve your credit score so that you could buy some more gifts from Santa Claus. All right, so after, again, the credit score is pulled, the company is going to offer these reason codes, reason codes, which are going to explain, you know, how to get your score higher. Naturally, they're all going to be relevant to those factors that I had just mentioned before. So I'm just going to rattle off some of the easiest ways and most obvious ways probably to raise that score. The first one, of course, pay all your bills on time. All right, pay on time. Apply for credit only when it's absolutely necessary. Don't just rack up store credit cards here and there just because. Use it when it's necessary. All right, and that may have a positive impact on credit utilization ratio, like I mentioned when you open up an extra card, um, but that's gonna create a temporary negative effect as more and more counts are opened as well. You wanna keep your outstanding balances low. Okay, you never want to max out your credit cards and leave them like that. That is very bad. Okay, and uh, some of the other ones that are out there, you want to hold open accounts for a long period of time. So if you have one or two credit cards and you use those for decades throughout your career, that looks very nice to credit reporting agencies. Okay, and lastly, you want to have different types of loan products. Okay, so that would be a, a mix of credit. It could be a credit card, an auto loan, a mortgage, a personal loan, you know, things of that nature. Now the credit reporting agencies are seeing that you're compliant, you're in good order with a variety of different debts. 
And so again, that looks like some excellent history there that's going to help elevate your credit score. So those are some things to kind of bear in mind. And as far as how long it takes to repair your credit, if maybe it's not in the best of order, that's a good thing is this number is always changing. So it can go down, but it can also go up. And it was some of the things to kind of keep in mind, most delinquencies, okay? So that's like if you defaulted on your loan or your credit card or whatever it might be, missed some payments. Typically that stays on for about seven years. As you get further away from that event, it has less and less of an impact on your credit score. Public records, right? That could be a home foreclosure or a bankruptcy, typically staying on your credit report for up to 10 years. So that's a big hit. And lastly, inquiries. Okay, so that's if you're going and applying at all these different places for a line of credit, that typically stays on your credit score for about two years or so, okay? So all things to kind of keep in mind. And lastly, maybe to close with, especially for our young professionals out there, I get this a lot, you know, speaking with millennials quite a bit at conferences and things. A complaint I hear is, it seems like if I don't have credit, I have bad credit. That if I'm paying cash, I'm not spending what I don't have. I'm doing the old school things that grandma and grandpa taught me to do. Now it's like my credit score is not even that good. That, that seems contradictory. It doesn't seem fair. And again, that goes back into they're looking for credit history. That's going to be what allows any of these agencies to calculate your score. So you've got to start early and often building your credit score. And naturally, that means taking on credit and paying that off. Some quick fixes in that respect, a very easy one if you have what they call like a thin credit file is to apply for a secure credit card, all right? That walk talks and acts just like a credit card, except what you would do is through the bank, you would put down a security deposit, which is usually your credit limit. So you put down $2,000 with the bank and you get a credit card with a $2,000 limit. Now you can use that every month to put your groceries or your tank of gas on pay it off every month, and now you're building your credit score just like every other adult out there, okay? So it's a very good way is a secured credit card. The next thing, guys, is to become an authorized user on another credit-worthy customer's uh, account. That could be mom or dad. That could be your older sibling saying, let me just be an authorized user on there. You still pay whatever loan it is you have, but just put my name on it so that I'm starting to build up a history. All right, you could apply for what's called a credit builder loan through your bank. A lot of community banks, smaller institutions are offering that nowadays. And what that does is essentially, <clears throat> excuse me, the bank will give you a loan. No real reason or purpose to that loan. They're just giving you a loan of, let's say, $2,000. And then you're going to have a set payment every month back to the bank for that $2,000. It seems like just kind of like a simple, pointless exercise and ultimately it is, but what that's doing is it's elevating your credit score because you're showing that discipline and that habit that they want to see over time, okay? And lastly, if you're saying, you know, I don't own a house yet, I don't have a mortgage, I don't have that big stuff that I can report, you can actually ask your landlord to report your rent payments to one of the credit reporting agencies. So that way you paying your rent every month on time can have a nice impact on your credit score too. All right, so hopefully this was helpful as credit is kind of our best friend or our worst enemy, depending on how it's used. And frozen credit can ultimately lead to financial disaster for individuals, households, businesses, banks, 
and even countries. If we look at you know how some of the biggest recessions of all time happened, it was due to issues involving credit and the lack thereof. Okay, so we got to keep the money flowing smoothly so that you can essentially become your own bank and operate on your own terms over time. And that all starts with managing your credit score. Thanks so much for tuning in today, guys. I'm Brian Kaderna. You've just listened to another episode of the Kaderna podcast. Have a very happy Thanksgiving. Go Cowboys. Enjoy your turkey, your stuffing, and your pumpkin pie. See you next week. The Kaderna podcast is for informational purposes only. Individual situations may vary, and the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guardian and its subsidiaries do not provide tax, legal, social security, student loan, mortgage, or real estate advice. Listeners should contact their own tax, accounting, or legal advisors or the social security department in this matter. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. Brian Kaderna is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PASS, 300 Broadacres Drive, Suite 175, Bloomfield, New Jersey, 07003. Securities, product services, and advisory services are offered through PASS, a registered broker dealer and investment advisor 973-244-4420 financial representative the guardian life insurance company of america guardian new york new york passes an indirect wholly owned subsidiary of guardian Caderna financial team and international planning alliance llc are not affiliates or subsidiaries of pass or guardian Caderna financial team is a division of international planning alliance llc a general agency of guardian pass is a member of finra sipc california insurance license number ok04194 content of the Caderna podcast is copyright of brian m Caderna, all rights reserved any redistribution or reproduction of part or all of the content in any form is prohibited without prior permission from the Caderna podcast. The views and opinions expressed herein may not be those of Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, or any of its subsidiaries or affiliates. Guardian does not verify and does not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of the information or opinions presented herein. Any third-party materials referenced cannot be endorsed or verified by Guardian and are used as the opinion of the author. Guardian, its subsidiaries of affiliates do not provide or issue or advise for mortgages. This material contains the current opinions of the author, but not necessarily those of Guardian or its subsidiaries, and such opinions are subject to change without notice.